the wrestling life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 250. It's November 5th, 2020. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. That's right, and we talked all about it in the bonus section this week. But as far as just so many things we can't talk about right here on the first and only wrestling podcast. That's right. So we've got like a 33 minute election special or something that's coming up right after this. But we had to do a show uh, talking about pro wrestling this week. There's not a ton going on. Uh, AEW has a pay-per-view coming up this weekend. WWE did their worst ratings of the Thunderdome era this week with Monday Night Raw. SmackDown did a very good number this past Friday, though. Uh, so some SmackDown stuff is clicking and Raw stuff is not. And they're kind of in uh, take it easy punt mode because it's uh, that stretch from October to January where they don't want to try. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we just ease into this every year after after the Hell in a Cell show where we just like there will be a world champion who will have like two or three feuds going on, but none of them are that interesting, and it's not clear like which of them is the important one. Um, right, right. And and then and then yeah, we got we got brand stuff. Everybody gets to take a month off from trying uh, for f- while we do the brand versus brand stuff. And then December is always just like, well, we're at the end of the year. So let's just kind of do some rematches and a s- couple of stip matches and call it a year. Like, so yeah, we're in, we're in cruise control for the next little bit here. Uh, what do you make of SmackDown uh, doing pretty good numbers the last couple of weeks? Um, is it Roman Reigns stuff? Is it generally being two hours and not such a slog to get through as raw is it sasha banks hello ethan it is your girl the legit boss sasha banks what's the what's the big draw on smackdown right now yeah i would i would say roman is is probably a pretty big reason for that i mean he's bookending most of the shows Mm -hmm. um and their viewership is holding up they aren't hemorrhaging viewers hour over hour the way that raw is so yeah, I mean, I think he, if you're if you're able to hook people in that first segment theoretically and keep them, at least you know at least a large number of them from not tuning out before that second hour's over, I think you give you give credit to the people that are on top on that show, and he he hasn't exactly had the strongest opponents either. So I mean, it's I think yeah, I think people are interested in. I guess the the Uso family drama stuff that works for people, um, and for whatever reason, uh, yeah, there's there's that, and obviously they moved the uh, telenovela Seth Rollins Rey Mysterio Buddy Murphy stuff over to that show, and then yeah, so I guess it's it's holding up it's holding up pretty well. Well, I and I, yeah, my my instincts would be I would give Roman most of the credit, but uh, what about you? Sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, as you said, he's he's the most pushed thing on the show. Um, I do think there is something to the Mysterio stuff. Like, I don't particularly care for it because I'm uncomfortable watching Ray's 19 year old daughter uh, kissing a 30 something year old dude, Buddy Murphy. Uh, but 
I think there is something to the idea of having people who have not been on television for like three decades and who are not 40 years old uh, on your TV. And in that sense, I think the Mysterio kid stuff works. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something there, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I don't see it. I think especially in light of how many people, including people employed by WWE, or I'm sorry, independently contracted by WWE, uh, were implicated in things this year. It seems weird to do a storyline about one of your 30-year-old guys dating a teenager, but here we are. We're doing it. So, And apparently it's working for people. <laughs> uh, Monday Night Raw, as we briefly touched on, uh, the world champion is Randy Orton. He's feuding with The Fiend. He's feuding with Drew McIntyre. They don't want to completely cut the legs out from under Drew, it appears. So he's still all over the show and still kind of feuding with Randy, even though it's pretty clear Bray and Randy is really what they want to be doing. They feel like they still have to give Drew something, and so Drew is still like main eventing shows and stuff. Yeah, he uh, he may have ended this week's show against Miz and Morrison in a handicap match, and I know this will shock you, but it was the lowest third hour <laughs> rating of all time. <laughs> like God, God bless Miz and Morrison. It's kind of an entertaining mid card act, but like they didn't actually advertise a main event. <laughs> like they said, they set that match up like in the opening segment, but they never told you it was going to be the main event. They didn't tell you what the main event was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is that Do you think even more people would have tuned out if they had advertised that? I think they think that, and that's why they didn't advertise it as the main event. We're gonna trick people. <laughs> it's like, what are they doing? If you know it's a bad idea, why are you doing it? Great, great question. Um, I would simply not book a terrible thing that people don't want to watch. But you know, that's different strokes, and uh, yeah, that's. No, it's a very uh, it's a very hollow as the Survivor Series build until we get to the week where we do the big brawl. Right, like, that's coming. These these shows are always nothing until we get that. So, which I guess will probably be the week before the show. So, all right, are we going to do that in the COVID era? Of course. Like I assume NXT is not Bring up the it. senior citizen Wild <laughs> Samoans. Ugh. To, yes. to stand around in the Thunderdome, which had at least one outbreak on its own. I mean, I know they, they still got a lot of catching up to do to the Performance Center, but um, yeah, like uh, they'll, they'll, they'll bring all the SmackDown Raw guys there on the same day and have them do a dumb brawl. Sure, why not? You know, Be- Becky made herself a star with that two years ago. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think anyone's going to make themselves a star if they do that this year. Probably not. No. Uh, speaking of booking horrible things that people don't want to watch, Billy Gunn made event at AEW Dynamite this week. <laughs> like, oh, that's secondary. Obviously, it's their go-home show, and they treat their go-home shows the way you should with putting a lot of promos and video packages and stuff on, on the show. And that's the important stuff. And even if it doesn't do well in ratings, it's going to make people buy the pay-per-view, so you need to do it. But maybe, you know, don't punish people by putting Billy Gunn in a main event. Reward, reward them. Give them a little treat for right. watching your show for two hours. What? Like, put the Bucks match on. Put Bucks in private parties. Let them do a bunch of cool moves. Like, is that 
is that really is the Young Bucks versus Pride Party really going to do like that big of a difference in viewers than Cody and the Gun Club versus two unnamed dudes and I'm sorry, it's Silver and the one guy and Colt Cabana. Like, like I feel like that's going to do a comparable number, no matter you know between that and the Young Bucks and Private Party, especially if you add in like you know. Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara and other like push acts on the show to mix with that. And you have FTR out there and then you have Kenny and Hangman run out. Like, I feel like if you did that as the main event segment, uh, that's, I mean, that seems like that's kind of a push between that and uh, Billy Gunn versus uh, 10. They're, they're playing 40 chess over there though. Like, I what guess do I? So. So AEW full gear this coming weekend. Moxley Kingston I quit match. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega for the next title shot. Cody Darby Allen for the TNT title. Niall Rose Hikaru Shida for the women's title. Orange Cassidy, John Silver. Uh, what am, what else am I missing? Are you excited for this show? Uh, Serena D versus Allison K for the NWA title, which apparently is just AEW's belt now. Looks that way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think on paper, it looks like a, a pretty, pretty solid show. Um, I think the things I'm, I think from a match in ring standpoint, I think, uh, Hangman and Kenny is going to be great. I think, uh, Cody and Darby has potential to be really good. Um, FTR in the box, as I forgot to mention. Oh, how, how can we forget all the 50, 53 different storylines being paid off in that one match? So, that's right, um, right. yeah, I mean, that I mean, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago. I will be interested in that match because I think if the Bucks can't get a great match out of FDR, FDR isn't going to have any great matches in AEW ever. So, that's going to be interesting for a lot of reasons. And then I saw someone predict this on Twitter. I forget, uh, forget which uh, sort of semi-wrestling Twitter famous account it was. But they said they were going the end of the show, assuming Moxley retains, which I think that's like that's a pretty safe bet, right? Oh, yeah. Is that they're going to redo the spot from the first Dynamite where Kenny was in the ring and Moxley showed up behind him. Yeah, and they're gonna and again, assuming that Kenny also wins the the number one contendership, and they're gonna kind of do a re of the the Kenny Moxley uh, showdown from the first uh, from the first show to go off the air, and that's your your hot program as we build towards. I guess what's what's their next pay per view like February or something? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a long time that they got. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, they can put whoever for Moxley. Moxley can beat whoever on TV in between there, but that's a. It's a lot of time between then and there, but I, yeah, I think they'll they'll go off the air. Probably it'll be a big, wild, violent main event with Moxley and Kingston, and then you'll end it with the showdown of uh, of Kenny and Moxley. Sounds good and makes sense to me. Uh, didn't get to see any of NXT, as I never do because I'm working during the show. I didn't watch NXT because I didn't want to, personally. <laughs> they also kind of punted this week. I think everybody just assumed also that people are watching the news tonight and not watching wrestling. And so nobody wanted to put anything good on their shows. I, 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And, like, that's probably not wrong. I don't... Uh, I, I'm a little more forgiving of, of AEW and NXT doing that because they don't punt, like, th- twice a month. Okay. Um, Occasionally, I make a salient point. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, actually... That's not a dumb thing you said there. That's not what I meant. I was just, no, I was trying to qualify that because we usually crap on Raw when it punts. But my point is that they punt like multiple times a month because they're lazy and don't really feel like booking a full show. Sure, Whereas sure. they're doing it in a more direct way because they're like, we're just going to do, we're going to do promos, a little bit of storyline stuff, and just kind of, you know, knock. <laughs> Not the you know we're gonna put it a little further down the green. We're not trying to, we're not trying to do any. Uh, we're not doing, doing anything drastic tonight. We're just kind of keeping the ball rolling and and just right. moving on. And we're advertising a big QT Marshall match for next week. Thank God! Thank God! Finally, finally, QT Marshall is back. Is going to be back on Dynamite. That's big, exciting news. All right, I got nothing else. You got anything else you want to talk about? Not, not really. Like I think it was, it was a pretty light week for wrestling. Um, we really then, just want, we really just wanted to talk about the election. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. That's we'll we'll be honest about that. That's 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 what happened here. So uh, yeah, I think I think AEW will put on a good show, but that it'll probably be an hour too long. That is my <laughs> prediction. That is my official locked in prediction for uh full gear is that it will be good but also too long it's it's gonna be five hours i also i have the joy of doing the new japan pay-per-view in the morning and then the aew pay-per-view at night wow 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 (laughs) saturday is a long day of wrestling everybody all right well if you're into uh 35 minutes of me interviewing Liam about the election. Stay tuned. And if not, until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. So Joe Biden's going to be the next president. Uh-huh. I mean, of the two scenarios, it's the better one. I, I agree. I agree. Um, I think the most interesting and also the worst things that came out of this were um, if you were looking for some sort of like wholehearted, full-throated uh, repudiation of... Trumpism or the Republican Party, uh, that's not what happened. Uh, one guy barely won, and <laughs> Democrats lost ground in the House. I mean, they still will have the majority, but by less. Right. And they, you know, Republican incumbent senators mostly held on to their spots. So, like, it's, it's, I mean, it, the better it's better than the alternative of all of that happening and Trump also winning. Um, but it's not it's not great, Bob. <laughs>
So things were looking pretty bleak. Like, uh, I don't know, I was doing some work on Tuesday night. And, like, I would say I started at probably, started working at, like, 8. And I wasn't really paying attention, but I had, like, TV on in the background and stuff. Mm. And then, like, it was like, ah, well, you know, I predicted Biden, like, I don't know, I forget, like, 285 or something earlier in the day. So I'm like, all right, whatever. He's going to win. And then, like, 9.30 or whatever, um, like, the odds, I, I always look at the gambling odds, and as it turns out, they are not always right. But generally speaking, like, you know, they don't build casinos with money that casinos lose, right? They, they, sure. build, they build them with money that betters lose. And, like, Trump was, like, Minus 775 favorite at like 945 on Tuesday night. And it was looking really bleak. What do you, what were you experiencing then? Um, I was, I was uh, about a quarter of a way through a very large bottle of uh, wild turkey at that point. So <laughs> uh, sort of a general numbness. Mm. Um, like, and part of the reason that this is also weird and dumb is because certain states don't allow uh, their absentee mail-in drop-off ballots to be counted until after their has to be on election day, like after the in-person ballots have been counted. Right. Uh, whereas in Florida and like Florida, like when Florida went, that was to me the last, that was the only chance of like a, we would know who who that Biden was like going to win last night. Had, had he won Florida, you're saying you would have? I would have felt pretty confident, right? Um, because I didn't. Because I always assumed after mail-in ballots that Trump maybe would still hold on, maybe in PA, but I didn't think he would hold on in Wisconsin. I thought Michigan was in play and then also with Arizona being in play for Democrats for the first time in a while, I thought that was a better chance. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, I was feeling like if Florida went Biden, I thought like I would have felt good Mm -hmm. much earlier in the process. And when that didn't happen, I was like, all right. And then it was like North Carolina, which Biden had been leading in, um, which I mean, again, not that I put a ton of, faith in polls but also like even though the polls were wrong last time like towards the end of the cycle they were showing hillary dropping and trump gaining um also also we don't have any other metrics right so you want to look at something right now now that doesn't you know excuse any pundits who go on tv and quote them as gospel right um or and I think there's probably a discussion to be had on the way this data is collected and, and all that stuff. Like, I do think that's, that's all worth, <laughs> worth discussing, but yes, as of now, that's the data. And again, it wasn't like it was just CNN's polls, right? Like it was right. everybody Fox, right. like everybody had the same collects polling data the same way. And they all pretty much had the same within, you know, within a couple points of each other the same results of it looking really good for Biden in some of those states. Uh, 
including Florida, including North Carolina. Like Texas was a pipe dream. We talked about that off the air, but like that's yeah. that was a pipe dream I never saw as yeah. a possible thing. But like, yeah. yeah, I thought I thought I thought Florida and North Carolina were both winnable. Um, and I, I just like to chime in and say, uh, I did not. <laughs> that's fair. Oh, like um, if you asked me to put money on it, I would have only put money on Florida, but I didn't think either of those were going to go blue. That's and that's fair. I um I th- yeah, I thought those were doable and when he lost both of those, I was like, well that's <laughs> a bad sign. Well, right. and again, and it's not just because I thought well that automatically means he's losing. Like I said, I still had an inkling that once once all of the uh, absentee and mail-in ballots were counted that tr- uh, that he would have enough to pull through it, thanks to the upper Midwest. Right. Um, based on the fact that he uh, is not he I he didn't he he's not as disliked as the last Dem nominee. Right. So I was like, I think he's going to pull through. But also this does this like this is why the strategy for the last five months was attack mail in voting and claim that there's going to be fraud and claim that there's going to be some sort of conspiracy Um and with Trump being up and and leading Biden in some of those states, that gave him a window to. In, and again, not that I think it's going to prevent him from losing, but it maybe encourages psychos that worship him to go to polling places with guns. And mm-hmm. like we have other we have more immediate, you know, the physical well-being of people counting ballots and things could be in danger um, mm-hmm. beyond beyond. I mean, the idea of him, I mean, you have to sue like all of these States individually and get each individual state taken to the Supreme court. Like that didn't, that never seemed like super likely, not impossible because <laughs> I mean, what's, what's impossible anymore, but right. Right. it seemed that seemed like a less like, like the Supreme court thing. Clearly that's something he like, cause he openly talked about wanting it to happen so clearly that was like a plan on their mind but i think the more likely thing is he's going to do a lot of complaining and claiming it was rigged and that it was a stolen election and people are going to go and you know the people that listen to him are gonna you know are gonna see that as their option to uh you know buy into the uh the cult of heroism and and uh you know, uh, under Umberto Eco's 14 points of eternal fascism, one of them is that uh, everyone is educated to become a hero and that the cult of heroism is then sort of interchangeably used with the cult of death. And that that's why maybe uh, uh, people that go in and shoot up mosques or schools uh, often happen to be right right wing extremist types. It's because they're they've been taught and encouraged to become heroes and that so that was more my thought of this was that this is bad not because i think it it meant that trump was definitely winning but also that it means that the worst of the worst of the country will get will feel that they have been given marching orders to go uh you know screw screw things up and possibly <laughs> harm people so okay Hmm. so 
Um, I think I went to bed at like uh, five forty-five this morning or something, and mm-hmm. it was still uh, there was still some question as to what was happening. And then, I mean, I didn't really sleep, but like I got up at like eight forty-five or so, and it was already. I guess that's about the time that it became clear that everything that Bernie predicted about mail-in and absentee balloting was coming to fruition, and that Biden was going to take the thing. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where we, and that's kind of where we've been all day on a Wednesday here. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where, like, the more it comes in, it's like the the less paths Trump has to win. Like, it was more about that. It was like, yeah, it looks like if if all that holds up and based on the fact that one candidate spent the last five months telling their uh, supporters that mail-in ballot was bad and rigged, and if you vote by mail, your vote won't be counted, uh, it would make sense that more people voting for the other guys, like that the mail-in ballot would swing it pretty hard for one guy, the guy who didn't say that stuff. So, like, uh, yeah, so once that, that started getting, once those started getting counted, it's like, okay, yeah, this is... I was still kind of thinking this was this was probably the strong possibility, but it's also like I said, it's a little. I I don't other than so that the opposition party or the losing party can do this. I don't really see why any state should have a policy of not counting ballots until election day. Right. Seems like you're just making it more complicated, and again, giving people that want to claim foul play ammo to do so right Um, well it's but i mean a strategy that the republican the republican party employs is is voter suppression yes (laughs) like yeah it's 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 by design it was by design now also in most years we wouldn't have had hundreds of thousands if not you know millions of mail in mail in and absentee ballots right because people would have just voted in person um so maybe it's we wouldn't have been a bigger as big a deal like maybe we if this were you know a non-pandemic year we probably would have known last night now if it was a non-pandemic year i don't think we would have had the turnout that we had and i don't think biden would have won but we probably would have known either way, like last night, if if. But combining the fact that there are these weird rules, mostly set up so that they can try to invalidate, you know, large swaths of votes, uh, is also because they, you know, it's, it was made even worse by the fact that we just had such a large volume of them, and that gives again gives Trump a enough ammo to take that. Uh, you know, to give marching orders to the Hannity's and Tucker Carlson's of the world, who then give that to the crazies and you right. know the grandparents. Right, right. but the, okay. So, few, few, few more things that I would like to unpack here. So, mm-hmm. uh, the Republican um, uh, voting base, and one of the reasons that they want to suppress vote as much as they can is mm-hmm. that the country is becoming uh, less white. Mm-hmm. And the people that Republicans appeal to uh, are uh, dying off, <laughs> and they don't have like 
they they failed in um, reaching Latinos in most places. Um, like they, so like that's why. So also they used to stand for things like smaller government and like what whatever your position on you know whether national debt matters and tax cuts and military spending and whatever. It's like if you're not for that stuff, great. But that was their platform for decades. And now they don't have a platform. It's like, what does Trump stand for? God only knows, right? <laughs> so, like, going forward, what's the future of the Republican Party? Uh, I think this is, like, a really good thing for them. Because they get to distance themselves from the toxic nature of what people don't like about Trump in, especially in like the pundit media class, which is that he's rude. Um, and they also like the person who won the presidency's entire campaign was built around saying Republicans are great. It's just this one guy is bad. <laughs> so they now they get to say, well, we're, you know, the economy was better when, when the Republic, when we had a Republican president and, Republican Senate there um, and whatever. And like whether or not that's true, it isn't obviously for large swaths of the populace, but people believe will believe that. And if there isn't, (laughs) if there isn't a strong counter game by master strategist, Chuck Schumer, like they're probably (laughs) gonna, like they're probably going to take the house in 2022. And then the, the fear would be if a more competent, less oafish, more palatable person who believes in all of the same authoritarian strongman, I'll just say fascist, things that Trump believed in, uh, the party will be pretty unequipped to stop that. Um, and, you know, the opposing party. So I think... This is great for Republicans because every like everyone seems in agreement that Republicans are great. It was just the one guy. <laughs> so they don't really have to do much of anything different. They just they get to quietly distance themselves and then they'll prop up, you know, I don't I don't know. They'll find somebody or they'll manufacture one in the next in the next couple of years. And, you know, come 2023 or whatever, they'll they'll trot out their their next guy and whether or not they'll he'll be willing to take things as far as trump because i could trump also had like a unique ability to, to like not filter himself that i don't know that your average even your average republican politician really has like i know a lot of people tried to rebrand themselves in that image over the last couple of years. Like Ted Cruz is a weird little online freak now. Yeah. Um, and grew his little beard and wants to pretend he's a tough guy now. Uh, but I don't know that, I don't know that that's a working strategy for them. But again, if you, you know, you have, if we're still going to scaremonger about, you know, the fears that the Democrats are going too far left, um, which the media loves, loves that they love to talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, then it makes it really easy. I think for Republicans to kind of, as if they're not as outwardly oafish and 
dickish about everything to continue to just do what they want to do, which is mostly make, you know, make themselves richer for whatever lobby, whatever lobbying firms or whatever corporations personally give them money. <laughs> um, and the, and then, yeah, whatever, whatever else you can add on there, more military spending, whatever else, that's, that's just a bonus, whatever, you know, we ramp. I, got, I don't know. Yeah, I got I got one more point about the election, but I want to, since we're kind of on the subject here, can the Republicans convince Dwayne Johnson to run on their ticket, or do you think he thinks he's big enough that he can run as an independent and actually have a chance? Um, I don't think I don't think he's gonna. Run. I think Republican for the people that like Dwayne Johnson. And would vote for Dwayne Johnson. I think that might be too toxic, at least for the next couple of years. Mm. Um, if he's going to run next election cycle, I think that might be too soon. If he wants to hold off another four years, maybe. But I don't. I don't see him running as a Republican, even even under the garb of like, you know, I'm a level-headed centrist Republican, and I'm here to save the party or whatever, right. like. I don't, I don't, I think that's, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I think, I think if he, if he's serious about that, he's, he would probably stay away from that, or at least he would be instructed to stay away from it. He's going to be the president of the United States. I really hope not. I've been saying this for nine years (laughs) and I'm going, I'm going to be right. He's more famous than Trump. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's an underrated um, uh, component to all of this. Trump's famous. You know what I mean? Like, in a way that politicians are not, fa- have, were not, are not, have not been famous. Like, well, Dwayne Johnson's really famous. And Dwayne, in the same way that Trump benefited early in his campaign from that like hundreds of hours of free press like they did like cnn and msnbc and fox just had cameras trained on all his rally he didn't have to pay for that time you know he wasn't running a lot of ads early in that campaign but they had a camera on him and they would play his whole rallies in their entirety and then they would cut it up and replay all of what he said for hours and hours and hours um so there is like yeah he he will he'll get far <laughs> i like i feel like there's a point where maybe he gets exposed as not really knowing that much because he's <laughs> a wrestler and an actor an insecure actor who put a clause in his contract of how often his character could get beat up on screen but so i don't think he's th- i don't think he's that smart he's smarter than donald trump but i don't think i think there's a point where maybe like Dude, Trump fudged his way through presidential debates. <laughs> like, but like, do you think? Like, at what point is he going to be exposed? But like, does Dwayne? But Dwayne, I don't. Does Dwayne have the shamelessness that Trump has? No, he doesn't. Is he going to bully? Uh, let's say he runs as a Democrat. Like, is he going to try to bully people the way Trump did? Because that, I think, that's a, a big part of. Because if he tries to just play, I'm, I'm a nice guy here. Like, again, I'm not saying he won't get far. I just feel like at a certain point, 
maybe. And also, I th- I think I think Democrats still care a little bit about like someone getting in office actually knowing what they're doing. Well, that's why like, he's not going to run as a Democrat. He'll run as a Republican, or he'll run as an Independent. I just, but he's he's going to need a like. But like for like na- at some point you do need the money to run like national campaign ads in prime time on network television. And I know he's very wealthy. I don't know that he's wealthy enough to do that. Which dude, Trump, maybe Dude Trump was outspent by like a hundred million dollars. Like when you're famous, you don't need to run as many commercials. That's, that's kind true. of what that's kind of my point. <laughs> But I don't know, man. regardless, I just, that's another argument for another day. Or I mostly, you know. I mostly, I don't want him to be the president, and that's why I'm <laughs> that's very incredibly, I'm very resistant <laughs> to any actor or anyone that I, right. that I, I just, right. that I personally, Dislike. maybe don't like very much to be the president. Um, other thing I wanted to get into real quick here. Um, the pandemic just, uh, okay. So I'm white. I'm, uh, I don't live in suburbia, but I live in a gentrified area of a city that has a lot of similarities to suburbia. I would say, uh, kind of very white, very middle class, if that's even a thing anymore. Uh, but the pandemic for us personally hasn't been that bad. We paid off our car. We saved enough money to put a down payment on a house by not like paying less in insurance, not having to pay for car maintenance, not having to pay for gas. Like, like this pandemic has been really good for our, for our wallet. (laughs) How much of that, if I'm just one test case, but if say you didn't get sick from this pandemic, how bad has it actually been for you? And if people tend to vote with our wallets, is that something that was underestimated and why this thing was kind of so close? I think that's a possibility. Um, When this is all said and done, more people voted in this election than like any election in our lifetimes. Right. Like, and that means more people voted for Donald Trump this time than voted for him in 2016. So the idea that his handling of anything uh hurt him with with the people that helped him win last time does not appear to be true it just seems that even larger swaths of working class and minority and younger people voted this time and that's probably and that's what got biden over the edge just barely again so yeah i think the idea there is I think the reason that 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 stayed steady and that he, you know, again, more people voted for him. Yeah, I think. And God knows what exit polls mean for anything. But like a lot of people were like, who do you trust more on the economy? And like Trump was winning that, (laughs) was winning that exit poll, even among people that maybe didn't vote for him, thought like there's a perception that Republicans are better on the economy. What does that mean? Well, in reality, it means they're better for the stock market. But people just, again, we don't, like, we don't go into depths on that. We just say the economy is doing well, or he says it, and it's repeated until people believe it. 
And because, right, for the people, for the, you know, the slightly well-off middle class who probably already vote, they maybe don't feel like they have to change their vote or like, yeah, the people that were already voting, it's the people, like the reason Biden won was because people who generally don't vote and certainly didn't vote in large numbers last time did this time, but it wasn't, to your point, it wasn't the the white middle class that Biden spent his entire campaign courting in some ways at the expense of perhaps, uh, you know, like Latino votes that he didn't win in Florida. Um, Which, I mean, part of that's also because we call like literally everything from, you know, Mexican to, to Puerto Rican, to Cuban, to we just call right. that one thing and right and act, and like, act as if it right as if everyone a, votes the same way right right as if it's a monolith um, right and like specifically like Cuban people in Florida who maybe uh, maybe they didn't maybe they're younger but their parents or grandparents lived under Fidel Castro and right. so maybe they're a bit more susceptible to fear mongering about socialism and communism or. Right. So Trump did very well with Cubans in Florida. Right. Right. Uh, Which is, again, that's so, yeah, I think it's (laughs) I, yeah, I think that is maybe a reason why, again, it was it's a surprise. Maybe that was a surprise. People was, yes, people that Biden spent most of his time trying to court, which is the the center right that either voted for Trump or did not vote last time. They didn't seem to change that if anything more of them voted for trump this time um and more more you know more well-off people voted for trump this time whereas it was yeah it was people that don't vote in a lot of elections came out to vote for biden this time that kind of saved him in the upper midwest at the end i would is that true though because or do we know that or are we just Going on off exit poll, and like I saw one exit poll that said that Trump did better with literally every ethnic and gender group except white men than he did in 2016. Well, I think it's that's I mean, that's true, but that's still not like a large percent like to do better than he did with those groups in in 16 or better than Ron needed with them in 12 is not like that's still not like a giant amount of people. Right. Like, and like in the case of Michigan, it seems to be Detroit that is (laughs) going to put Michigan over the top. And that does have a large percentage of African-American votes. And I did see some data that said it was like they were going to have, I don't know if it was the most votes that like in Detroit history or something like that. But it is like, you know, for like for what what on television they would call urban areas. That, right. that appeared to put him over in Michigan. Now, that I haven't looked at a state-by-state basis. I don't know if that holds up under every single state. But it is true. He did better with, I mean, Trump did better with with, uh, with black men, with Latino, like with blacks and Latinos, and, and pretty much every, as you said, every, every ethnic group. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily translate to a huge swath of people. Right. But it, he did, but the fact that he gained it all... <laughs> in the midst of, you know, presiding over a recession brought about by a pandemic, uh, maybe, I don't know, man, maybe it would have been good to run 
uh, a candidate against him who was <laughs> offering actual things and like so, attacked him directly on policy and not just on him being mean. So you think Bernie would have killed Trump? I think there is a better, there is a world. I, I'm I'm so far removed from being able to comfortably make a prediction about anything, but <laughs> there is to me. We have now seen two elections that were Donald Trump versus a safe centrist. <laughs> don't don't really talk about what we're for so much as what we're not, which is we're not the other guy. In in one case, barely a living human being. Right. <laughs> And in one case, they lost to him. Right. The other case, they look like they're about to barely beat him. Right. So maybe Bernie would have also just barely beat him. Um, or maybe he would have lost to him. Or maybe by offering actual things. Because and that's the other thing. Like There's a lot of referendums across the country. Like mar- marijuana legalization. Very popular. <laughs> including with Republicans. And again... Not that I put all my faith in exit polls, but a Fox News exit poll had like 70% of voters said that they were for some government-run health care system. So maybe someone that says, hey, these things are bad. Trump made them worse. Here is how I will make them better for you tangibly. Uh, maybe that would be a strategy worth trying once. (laughs) Maybe it would be worth trying to do something one time. So as far as being able to do things, um, so the House is going to be Democratic, barely, and the Senate is probably going to stay Republican. Mm -hmm. And even though Trump lost, Wall Street was pretty happy uh, with the result, because with kind of gridlock with the president that will be able to push through an agenda unchecked uh, by that, you know, having that check on you know, not having both houses of Congress, that basically nothing's going to change all that much. And Wall Street was pretty happy by that idea. Is that a fairly uh, correct assessment? That's, I mean, yeah, that's how I took it. Like, um Yes, I mean what uh, what it, I mean markets drop and fall at, at you know literally anything, but yes, I think they're looking at it as okay. Well, maybe there's it'll be a little less volatility. Um, like the current guy is less likely to tweet us into a war with Costa Rica, <laughs> which would be bad for stocks. Um, <laughs> So maybe that's good, but at the same time, if he got any crazy ideas like slightly, you know, taxing rich people slightly more or something, uh, you know, he won't be able to pass that through the you know, Republican Senate. So yeah, I think I think that's what they're. Uh, yeah, that that makes that makes sense to me that they would be generally happy with all of the results. I mean, it also like again of what Joe Biden was running on was let's turn the clock back to exactly one day <laughs> before Donald Trump was elected. Like that was most of what his campaign was about. So right. the whole, you know, you know, mentally change was kind of his, was kind of his mission statement. Right. 
So what becomes of Trump now? I saw one talking head on CNN today, and I put absolutely no stock in it whatsoever, but was floating the idea of this is not it for Trump in politics. And I was like, well, yes, it is. Like, he's not going to run for, like, mayor of New York or governor of New York. He's not going to run for president again because he's going to be 78 years old uh, by the time the next cycle comes around. He also hates being the president. Right. He didn't want to be president. He wanted to start a TV. He loves owning the libs more. But he right. hates being the president. Oh yeah, he never wanted the job. He wanted to start a TV network. <laughs> right. So right. what does he do now? Does he finally start that TV network? Yeah, there's a you know some. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he goes startup and does like a streaming thing. I don't know. Like, like that's a yeah you know, the right wing grift where you just convince people to give you money is like that's a really apparently it's a very easy grift because you don't have to be smart. <laughs> um, and he has a built-in base that loves him, like, and which was just proven. <laughs> and yeah. if anything, that base is bigger than it was four years ago. So, yeah, if he wants to start a you know streaming service for twelve mu- bucks a month, and he does a hour-long news show every day, like I don't know, he just you know he likes what he wants to do. He wants to watch TV and then call into it. A new show and complain about the TV you watched. Like... <laughs> it's pretty relatable, actually. Yeah, no, that's the thing. The things that made him a terrible president are like the most relatable things about him, which is that he didn't want to do anything. He just wanted to sit and watch TV and eat terrible food and and yell and yell at people. And he hates that people are mean to him and just spends all his time complaining about it. Like, yeah, it was all very. <laughs> if you remove the fact that he was the president of a country, like it's very relatable stuff. Sure. All right, so this has been the uh, the election special. <laughs> we've, talked, we've talked for thirty five minutes about this. We're going to talk for like eight minutes about wrestling now, and put that at the beginning, and then this will be the election special. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I try to keep on keeping on. 